We've had to use the backup recording for this show, and the sound is not that great. You can skip it and go to the next one, or give it a listen if your ears can handle it. Craft Beer Radio, episode 372, on February 28th, 2016. Oscar. Welcome, everybody, to Craft Beer Radio 372. This is Peter, Paul, and Mary's Early Morning Range. Not by them, but it's their version. Cool. So, what do we have in front of us, Jeff? We have beer. Beer. We got uh, another uh, Dave Heavy show. Dave, Dave's really... Uh, Stepping get, it up. Giving yeah. Gary a run for his money, I think, here. Um... Yeah, so actually, let's oh, let's start with this, the Tallgrass Pub Ale. All right, so this is from Tallgrass Brewing. We had a bunch of them, and we still have a few more left of them. So I'd like to see a couple more of them at some shows. We have two tonight. I've been really impressed with them yeah. so far. I mentioned that at the, on the live show that we did with the beer store on Friday, was, which you can look up on YouTube. Yeah, when I, I, we've first time we've really had Tallgrass was here, and uh, the Eight Bit, the Buffalo Sweat, I thought been really solid beers. 4.4% on this pub ale, 12 IBUs. The malts that are used are Brewer's Malt, Gold Pills Vienna, Victory, Caramel 80, Carapils, and Chocolate. You can really tell it's very dark. It has a really dark brown, almost chocolate-like look to it. They say on their can it's the original 2007 formula, so they've been making this for about 10 years now. Hops are Pearl or Perlay. I'm not so much sure exactly how that's... Uh, Perlay. Perlay. Uh, Glacier and Willamette. Yeah, it's darker than I thought. When I was thinking pub ale, I was thinking kind of like a English mild. Yeah. Something more blonde than this, where this pours. Um, it's brownish. There's a little bit of red highlights to it. It's moderately cloudy. At 4.4, I'd say it's within the original definition of sessionable. Oh, absolutely. That's the other thing I was expecting from a pub ale was yeah. something not too big. Getting some uh, biscuit, some um, toast, toffee, in the in the aroma. It almost feels like this should be warmer. I mean, especially if it's an English pub ale. Yeah, it yeah. really does need to kind of get yeah, a little so bit warmed up. Wrap our hands around this while we uh, talk about a little bit more. Any beer news? Any beer news? Um, we're very prepared yes uh not that i can recall happening this week i did so uh you know we were talking on friday about how ballast point is making like all kinds of uh flavored beverages of their beers i saw another new one today when i was at caliente they had their um ballast point fathom orange and vanilla creamsicle style yeah that's something that i had uh on on that thing we did on Friday, I, I had a creamsicle from Coney Island, and it was not very. I poured it out; it was not good at all. So okay, I don't know. I know that Saranac, you know, they're doing their alcohol pops with uh, the Jed's. I think it's the Jed's brand for them. Uh, you know, um, and uh, haven't had it yet, but uh, they have a history of making clear malt beverage base for for certain things from that brewery. I'll announce this again. I'm going to be in San Francisco. Uh, on the week of the uh, week after this, <laughs> which it would be the week of 
the sixth. Okay. So yeah, so I'll be in there from uh, Tuesday the eighth to Thursday the tenth. Yeah, the things Mike suggested. Uh, I forgot to tell you about Cellar Maker. It's a good yeah. one. It, big variety of beers, more hop forward. You know, it's not going to be a, a funky brewery um, so much, but they had a lot of tasting. That's the one I walked to. You know, from my hotel. And then also went to McKellar Bar, so it was kind of like exactly what he was telling you to, you know, consider doing. I wonder why they just like McKellar because we've had nothing but good. Well, we've had mostly good stuff from McKellar, right? Yeah, I mean, so McKellar Bar, they do have a lot of McKellars there, but I mean, lots of guest taps mm-hmm. too. It's a really high end, really well put together bar. Um, that's why I ran into that guy from. Um, a brewery in New Zealand, I'm a, you know, and said, I know there's more than three people in New Zealand, but do you know Greg McGill? <laughs> yeah, I do know Greg McGill. That was more Irish than, mm. than New Zealand. I apologize. Yeah, this beer was pretty cold. My hands are now cold. Yeah, I, I got up to like 55. Yeah, they've been, it's been out of the fridge for the entire pre-show. I'm surprised it was still that cold, but... I'm still getting most of the same things on the aroma. It doesn't have... It has um pretty rich, like, uh, caramel. It almost has a smell like a, like a decoction mash or something. Like like that rich, richness you get from like a, a Bach or something like that. So you should, you should, when you yeah. throw out words like sure, that, sure. But, words, like a Bach or a Doppelbach where, you know, it's kind of that richer... Um, like kettle caramelization, you know, like that that sweet uh, word, you know. It, you know, a doppelbox can have lots of other things, you know, lager, yeast, high alcohol, those kinds of things. But really, just specifically, it's that rich, saturated malt character you get from uh, things like decoction mashing that I'm really smelling in this. Decoction mashing is decoction mashing is um, it's a it's an old traditional method of putting heat into the mash because people generally didn't have heated mash tons, especially, you know, until recently. Their mash tun might have even been wooden, you know, that because you couldn't apply direct heat to it. So you have your mash, and it's like at a 170 or whatever, right? And you want to add heat to it. So you take out a portion of your mash, and you boil it. And you add the boiling mash back in, stir it up, it raises the heat a couple degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's how you do a decoction mash. Well, you know, double box can have like triple decoction. So you'll do that process like three different times to raise, step the heat up. And, you know, because uh, also traditionally the um, grains weren't as well modified, they call it. But the enzymes and the grains weren't ready for the enzymes in one in one shot so you'd actually if you stepped it up it made the grains more fermentable right the end it helped the enzymes and different sets of enzymes do their jobs so how do you do a if you're making a bok today do you also do a decoction if you want to do a traditional one yeah it really adds a certain kind of flavor think of celebrator where it's that really rich you know melanoidins and kettle caramelization type um flavors that's just a mash this is when you're extracting the sugar from uh you're extracting the the sugars from the uh from the malts yeah i guess i shouldn't say kettle caramelization because that's kind of like a long boil type thing but you know there's similar flavors but i guess uh the coction mashes gives you a little bit richer um like what temperature do you normally extract now you're you're quizzing me i haven't brewed in like a year and a half 
and you know, just I'm, I'm, I'm not, not asking for specifics, sure. but like that's in a, broad range. Well, when it's boiling, it's boiling, right? So it's two twelve. But you add a proportion. You know, you take a proportion out because you know what boiling grains to the more dilute version will raise it a couple degrees. So while it might be um, 45, 50 degrees warmer than your mash, right? When you stir it all in, it's just mm-hmm. going to raise it a couple degrees. But I was under the impression that when you're doing your mash, you don't necessarily boil it, right? You, you... No, it's 170 or yeah, so. Yeah, I guess a little bit lower, 165, somewhere in there. Like I said, uh, I've not done a ton of all grains. And when I have, I have the recipe. It's been a long time, so... I don't have all the temperatures front of mind right now. I would not pass the BJBCB test at the moment. <laughs> I bet a night of studying would do you good, though. You'd, you'd be Probably, able to do it. Because yeah. that's all you need. Okay, so from the flavor, a lot of real, real like French toast like flavors that are coming through without the syrup, obviously. But like a so a um. Very, very toasted bread mm-hmm. that's also has kind of a soft mouthfeel, sort of soft texture, I suppose. Yeah, for a 4% beer, there's a lot of body in here, a lot of flavor. The um, the roast, it's a little minerally, you know, like I'm kind of getting like a really dry top of my mouth and tongue, you know, it's... Let me take another sip here. I see where you're coming from. I'm trying to figure out where where I can go with that. Um, yeah, so slight, like a slight kind of grated edge to it. Let, yeah. let me the limestone more, and yeah, it, it really dries out the beer. It makes mm-hmm. it actually the way it's hitting my palate now. It's kind of astringent, you know. And that every time I take another sip, that mineraliness seems to get bigger and bigger. This would go great with like French fries. Um, anything with a lot of fat in it, because just that little bit of astringency would help. Would 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 be cut with the fat, and you get a lot of maltiness too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like this as a pub. I think this, this works really well. Pretzels, oh, this would go great with pretzels. Yeah, I think it. You know, I think yeah, pairing it with food would be good. For some reason, that mineraliness is kind of taking me away from this beer. I don't don't care for it all that much. I am. Um... I, I dig it. I, I think it. Uh, I think it works really well. But yeah, I would pair this with with food or or conversation. Or something. This is not. Mm-hmm. This is not exactly the one where you sit back and just admire right. the beer. Right. Dark Lord Day, April thirtieth. Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. There's more whales, <laughs> Captain. There be whales here. <laughs> Yeah, there was a time not too long ago I thought it'd be good for us, like, you know, it'd be fun to take a trip out and do Dark Lord Day. Yeah, I'm not, not, I don't know if I really feel it anymore. It, it would be really fun if we had, like, Triumph do Dark Lord Day. Right? <laughs> if, if we had, like, that sort of character to go and, mm-hmm. and just do, and, and that kind of writing to be able to right. that, do that sort of um, live uh, live roasting. Right. Um, would be very fun. That would be. We're not that good. No. All right, that was, not our the, that was the Tallgrass Pub Ale. Let's move on to this Live Oak next. All right. 
so sorry, this... for all the <laughs> all the drinking yeah. we have to we yeah. have to pair between these. Okay, Live Oak Hefe. Yep, this is the one that um, I sent some beers down to Rubio and the beerists, and and with uh, my coworker who was visiting Austin, he brought back a sixer of Live Oak Hefe. They just started canning this apparently, and um... by the way, I haven't listened to the show yet, but. They did your beers, and apparently some of them didn't travel very well. Uh, no, they generally loved everything. Okay. I was looking at the description, and they said it started out great, but then oh no no turn. no what? Um, the beers were fine, but like one of their hosts like sent a text saying she's not going to be able to be on a show for a month or so, uh, and then the other another one had to leave because like his kids were vomiting or something. So it was more <laughs> of a personnel thing. Okay, not a beer thing. Um, they generally thought the beers were really good. Uh, so, too bad we can't send them roundabout. Huh? Could. They have to come here. All right. So, I was just rolling the can on the table to get the yeast nice and roused. Um, John gave me the tip of store this in your fridge upside down. So, like, the yeast is on the lid when you flip uh, it over to pour it. I noticed it was upside down when you. Yeah, I figured I'd give that a try. I'd wonder if, like, once you flip the can over, you get a bunch of yeast stuck on the lid. You really can't do anything. Oh, why am I pouring so much to my <laughs> in your glass? Because I want it all myself. You had a whole one yesterday. Or one I, I did. I got the six sixers, so I figured I would treat myself. Because they were saying how good it was. 5.3% by volume. 10 IBUs. Very banana was the first thing I know. Oh yeah, big banana. Almost circus peanuts, but not not quite that potent. With but yeah. close. I mean, it, it's the candy banana. Yeah. There's a little bit of cloviness. I think you know, there's some hoppiness in here. You get some continental hops in the aroma as well. I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm like since I just had one on Friday, right? I'm like I know what I tasted mm-hmm. then, and I'm looking for them and finding the same things now. So it's a little bit less discovery for me on this. Say they brew with an ample volume of wheat malt and few hops. Huh. Okay. So maybe I didn't smell the, uh, like the spicy. It still hoppers. could be hops yeah. coming through. I didn't notice how banana and um, circus peanut like it was last time I had it. Well, you weren't in the same mode. Yeah. Sure smells good though. It does smell very good. It smells like uh yeah, this is this is what you want out of a hefe. You want to get something that has a lot of flavor to it and has a lot of that. I generally prefer the ones that are more phenolic and less estery, less bananas. But I can make an exception. Hmm. <laughs> very creamy in the in the flavor. It's almost like a almost like a vanilla or something coming off of it. And it's just so smooth, nice sweetness to it. There's no um, spicy or scratchy, you know, from the wheat. You know, it's just super smooth. The yeast and the fermentation just kind of makes it like a, it almost feels like a latex balloon or something. It's just so soft all over. I like your call on the vanilla because to me what happens is the first thing is I, I start to really taste that candy banana. And then it's almost like within two or three seconds is cut with the vanilla and some of the phenolics. And, mm-hmm. and so instead of getting overly sweet, yeah. it's sort of an accent that then gets, uh, you know, undergirded by some actual... Yeah, the, um, ph- the phenolics 
you know, it's good. The phenols, the phenolics in there, they're they're playing a moderating role. Mm-hmm. They don't really stand out on their own. They're not peppery, but you can see they're kicking in and pulling down that sweetness and the esteriness from the banana and stuff like that. Some half is tend to sort of orangey and lemony. This doesn't have that quality, though. I, you know, I would... Yeah, yeah, the lemon, that lemongrass, that, mm-hmm. that kind of tart sweetness. That's what I was saying. It doesn't have that at all. It's so smooth and sweet, or uh, it, apparently sweet because it's so smooth and doesn't have that more scratchy part mm-hmm. to it. Really interesting. I could drink a lot of this. <laughs> it would be easy because it has, it goes down very smooth and... It, it it's not dry, so it leaves you with a a, a moderately sweet aftertaste. It's re- it's relatively banana, sort of a banana and banana foster maybe, um, but it really sort of like Alcopops encourages you to drink more. Uh, it has that effect of like, hmm, some more of this would be great, some more, and very quickly you're drinking too many. Yeah, I mean, weepers tend to for me like that, you know, like. Go to Penn Brewery, right? Order a Penn Vites and mm-hmm. it comes in a big 22. Drink that down, get a second one. It's kind of that German heritage, yeah. you know, like the social drinking thing. You know, it just seems like Hefeweizens for me fit that. And man, could you imagine having this on draft nearby? They were saying, beers were saying that they think the cans are better than the draft. I guess they've made some changes, and Mike's saying the draft is getting better, but like when these cans came out, he, they, both him and John said that the, they preferred the cans over draft because it was just so good. Hmm. You know, you don't hear that much about Hefeweizen. No, you don't. Not typically. Curious. I wonder why that would be. I don't know. Doing something really special with that can. Maybe it's just the way it's conditioned. Or maybe they, you know, put in some more yeast to help condition it or something. Do you want to go back to the tall grass now? Uh, that's a double IPA. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should do the summit next. Okay. On to our next beer from Summit Brewing. This uh, probably was sent to us by Summit. Mm-hmm. Us and them IPA. It's a session IPA. Part of their uh, batch. Uh, part of their Unchained series is batch twenty one. What do we have? Oh, wait. I should look closer. The neck label here says second, third. I wonder if there's two different beers. Let me go check real quick. I'm going to pause. I was curious if there was two beers in the sample. And then I just looked at the bottom label and it didn't seem to indicate. But the neck label says second thread. The first thread is American IPA. The second thread is a session. Ah, yes. There are two different beers. Mm -hmm. See, I just looked at this. Oh, yeah, it does say it there, too. I just missed it. It's fine. Go with this one. What do they want you to do with them, though? Are you not supposed to blend them or anything, are you? 
Uh, I don't believe so, no. But I think they want you to try both of them. That's the trick. Which beer do you think is us and which beer do you think is them? Oh, who's them? Who's it? Collaborate with someone? Uh... I don't think there's any marker in the with this one. No, there isn't a... No, it's just a... There's a reason why the name for the name, but... Um, okay. Name of brews, us and them. IPA because beer preferences, like other matters of taste, are highly personal and subjective. And the Pink Floyd connection was no fluke. Pink Floyd connection? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay, so there are two different beers. I didn't pay enough attention when I looked at them and put one in the fridge. Um, there's the first thread, which is their um, American IPA, and then there's the second thread, which is uh, Session IPA. And the set, the second thread is what we're drinking right now. So the the idea the idea would be you try both of these and you say you tell them which one is us and them because according to their marketing speak, that's the idea is that uh, beers beer preferences are are different. Okay. But I can give you the specs on this one. The session one. 4.0% alcohol. Wow, it's a sessionable session IPA. How about that? With uh, two-row pale and caramel malts. Let me guess, mosaic. The hops that are used. Horizon Centennial Amarillo Citro. Citro, okay. Recao. Dry hopped with Recao. I'm sorry. That was all the American. The, the, the American IPA. This one is Horizon Centennial Amarillo Citra. Oh, it's the same. Never mind. Okay. Same same hop usage. All right, so Rakeo. I don't know if I've had Rakeo. Or if I had, I don't... Yeah, that's a new one to me. Yeah. The big hop aroma on it. Okay, here's the difference. This one is dry hop with Citra. The okay. American is dry hop with Rakeo. Okay. So it's the Citra. I think blended with the other ones, it was making it a little more tropical than citrus for me. I'm kind of getting something that's a little more... A little dirtiness I'm, I'm getting from this. It, it's it's potent. Um, I guess it is. Now that I know it's citrus, I'm smelling grapefruit, you know, an orange peel. Before I thought I was smelling more mango. The, the color is sort of a yellowish-orange. Yeah, it's 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 big hop aroma. Not much else coming out, like, you know, Session IPA, not a ton of malt in there, so it's not going to have a big malty aroma. Yeah, a lot of grapefruit, a little citrusy, bordering on Dord. I'll take another sip. <laughs> it's, a, it's a hoppy beer, a hoppy Session IPA. It has more malt to it than I would have expected. It's not quite as thin as some... Session IPAs can be at least the ones in this range, the ones that are actually playing by the rules. Uh, so it has a nice body to it, um, where other ones can be a little bit thinner in the body. So they did a good job giving it a good body and keeping the alcohol down. And it, well, I it's, think using it's a, caramel malt here is key, and that really does add something to it. Yeah, and uh, I like the hop profile. I'm not getting anything that's that's too aggressive, but it's a big hoppy beer. Yeah, there's a lot of. There's definitely a lot of juicy hop stuff coming from here. It's mostly grapefruit and grapefruit pith. Mm -hmm. 
Um, not really getting much door to the flavor, so I wouldn't worry if, if you're... Door to is our term for biological things, things, things that rent, that, that get caddy. in the... Yeah, caddy. Right. Don't, you know, it seems like most brewers have figured out how to avoid anything that's too caddy. Mm-hmm. And we haven't used door in a while. Mm-hmm. It's going extinct. Or maybe just like Lager Twang, we got used to it. That could be. That's probably more so it. Probably higher, you know, more fidelity, mm-hmm. tasting more positive attributes around the cattiness as opposed to when our palates were more immature. We just tasted the, the litter, you know, smelled the litter box part of it. Right. It's, there, there's there's a lot to take in. There, there's... I mean, I appreciate that it's not going very resiny, mm-hmm. um, and we talked about it on, on the on the uh, pre-show. But there was a beer I just recently tried from um, Alpine 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 Duet, which I really liked uh, in the bar that I had it. And then I looked it up because I was like, "This is really nice and refreshing." And it was Amarillo and Simcoe, two hops that I would looking at this on paper. There would be almost be no way for me to like this beer, and bam, I liked it. So clearly, these hops can be used in a way that even if you think that you wouldn't like the beer, you would. I had an interesting beer uh, today. It was at Caliente, and had the Rogue Sturzen IPA. And you know, I generally don't order much Rogue. You know, like like you, mm-hmm. it, it's generally not. Uh, Something that's that exciting. But I saw this one was described as an American IPA with all German ingredients. So German malts, German hops, and whatnot. Um, it's pretty good. I mean, it wasn't wasn't like crazy, bright American IPA. But um, it was quite enjoyable, you know. So if you see that around, I, w- I would recommend checking that one out. You know, it had a little bit more, um, um, you know, clean malt profile, like a little bit of a pills malt type thing going on there. And the hops were interesting. The hops weren't um, spicy, straight up continental like you'd expect. There, there was something that was a little more uh, herbal in there, you know, but it wasn't citrusy or anything like that. It's worth trying out. I mean, look, Rogue, yeah, I have my issues with Rogue, but they've made some good stuff. I remember their organic line they just re- they recently had. It was There was mm-hmm. something, at least one of them, that I really liked. In addition, it reminds me of a thing we did with the beerists uh, on Friday where... I bought a couple beers. I bought just stuff I hadn't had from from uh, the local store, and one of them was I pulled out the shine the Shiner um, uh, birthday beer, I guess it was, and everyone was like a Shiner, Shiner. What do you know? It's like, well, you know, I'm not going to discount a beer just because it says Shiner on it. I want to give it a shot. So sure. the same thing applies to Rogue. No, no, absolutely. I'm just saying that I, I probably you know don't seek them out very often. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. true. I was looking for things to try. Yeah. So, so had a rogue. Liked it. Good you know, story. German German style life, or you know German ingredients in American IPA. Sound like it was worth a try. Also had the calling from Boulevard. It's a double IPA that was really good. So this is a a fine session IPA. Again, not a style that I'm hugely into. But um, it's pretty complex for a session IPA. I think there's a lot of different mm-hmm. hop dimensions going on. So, but they are. It is still. It's a little more sulfury than I would kind of like in my hops. 
I'd appreciate more of a tropical bent, but you know. Uh, I dig it. I think that big hop flavor, low uh, alcohol commitment, and uh, I could drink a bunch of those. Probably drink more of the live oak, though, but I could drink a bunch of the, <laughs> the Unchained also. Oh, I could drink a bunch of all of these. Don't, don't get me wrong. Uh-huh. All right, let's do the, the brewery, just because we're often better served by taking breaks between hoppy beers. Mm. It's not the brewery. This is brew The brewery, eerie, yes. This is a holy diver, which the only link I could find in any description of it was on Untapped. <laughs> uh, it's an imperial wit, um, brewed with citra hops, orange peel, and coriander. It's a collaboration, apparently, between Brew Erie and Erie Brewing Company. Huh. Cool. Seven percent. Yeah, Brew Erie, we had their um, Shitters Full on the show not too long ago. And uh, they're a brew pub in the train station, uh, ex-train station up in Erie. And uh, Erie Brewing Company has been around for much longer. And uh, generally, I think they might have a tasting room now, but I mean, they've always been in just production brewery. Well, that smells like CO2. <laughs> Huge head on the thing. Very big Highly head. carbonated. Yeah. Stick your nose in the glass and breathe. And all you smell is that carbonic acid, you know, like just burning the inside of your nose. You can hear it. If I could do it without hitting the microphone, that'd be even better. It's like your Rice Krispies, only much more lively. Yeah, it's very carbonated. I'm like... Coating my glass and it's like completely coating. You know, I, I don't watch much TV, so I don't see any, especially I don't see any kids commercials. But they still do. They still do commercials for Rice Krispies where they talk about the noise. It's snap, crackle, snack, snap, crackle, and pop. I don't know. Um, I mean, the kids do watch, you know, network TV in the mornings, and uh, I don't think I've seen cereal commercials, or at least I'm not paying attention to the cereal commercials. There's a very funny thing about Snap, Crackle, and Pop because um, <laughs> the this is a little bit of physics things, but the the rate of change of something with respect to time. So if, if you talk about the rate of change with respect to time, that's just velocity. The rate of change of velocity with respect to time is acceleration. The rate of the derivative of that, the rate of change of that, derivative of that is a jerk. The rate of change of that gets to a snap and then a crackle and then a pop. Okay. Because physicists are goofy. Right. Oh, I can smell the CO2 still. I've been trying to work the gas out of this beer and it just keeps on coming. It has a big thick head on it still. I think I'm just going to take a sip. Sorry, the, the, I just want to correct myself. It goes jerk, jaunts, then snap, crackle, and pop. Okay. It took a sip. Um, highly carbonated. They call it an imperial wit. That's that's not really, not really what I'm tasting. It almost tastes like a Belgian golden nail or golden strong, something like that. You know, it has a estuary profile to it. Um, the wheat's not, at least not in the portion of the bottle I got, the wheat's not, I mean, the beer is pretty clear, very clear. I mean, 
this looks like I can see my fingerprint through the glass. It's it's golden and clear, and um, has a, a an estuary um, kind of uh, Belgian like a triple type flavor to it. I wonder if the bottle was mislabeled because the majority of the label is just limited release, and then it's on the back. It says this bottle contains Holy Diver number seventy four. Yeah, it really tastes triple-like. Um, or maybe that untapped stuff was... The untapped could be wrong. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's possible, but there's a lot of... You know, there's more information than you might expect. Um, I, I don't know. It, it's... <laughs> Let's just figure it out. Uh, one of the comments from one of the people is, what is happening in this beer? So, apparently we're not the only one who are... Well, if it, maybe he's commenting that he was confused by the description. Let's just drink it. Okay. Look for orange peel. I ain't getting it. I mean, maybe I need to work out a ton more CO2. But, I mean, it, it was kind of coming across, you there know... There is a lot of CO2 I'm going to take another sip here. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Belgian gold nail, strong golden. You know, it reminds me a little bit of um, uh, Golden Drock or something like that. It doesn't taste as um, syrupy as I remember Golden Drock being. Yeah, you know you're right. You're right. I was just trying to think of a a good um, benchmark, and I came without finding something better. That's what came into my mind. It's so hard to pick out because I'm not. It's not really. I mean, now that I'm tasting it, it it's less triply. It's more yeah. just golden strong ale. Um, trying to think what else would be like. Yeah, I don't think it's the imperial wit with orange peel and citra. He said, as they said, with citra hops, right? Yeah, the, this isn't that beer. I think it could be. Okay. I I just think Coriander? it's... Coriander? Yeah, I, I think that it got... It may have, I mean, it may have some other wild yeast in there that got a little bit overcarbonated. Um, it doesn't seem like... A, it, the yeast... doesn't have, no, it doesn't have any bad off flavors, but it may have changed some of the, the, the flavors going that are in there. Well, typically, if the yeast you want in there, right, the beer should be attenuated before it's bottled. It's the yeast you don't want in there that continues to ferment and lower the the body, mm-hmm. you know, and make eat some of those less fermentable sugars. And so, you saying they wanted this to be discarbonated? I, I'm saying I don't. It doesn't taste like it's um, over attenuated. It doesn't taste like there was any wild yeast in there giving off off flavors the beer tastes really clean i i'm not tasting the coriander the orange peel or the citra hops that's all i'm saying i guess what what it comes down to is at this point we're kind of tasting a blind because we don't know we 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 don't know and so yeah i I mean i'm presuming the information that we found was wrong Right, and and I'm I'm just simply presuming. I'm saying if you presume it's right, I think you can pick out places where there might have been 
echoes of of the orange. <laughs> no, that's funny. I take like my last sip. Now the CO two is not so bad. Uh-huh. I taste a little bit of coriander. Yeah. So. So who knows? Holy diver. Probably hard to get. So. <laughs> Damn it! The last two sips, right? When the CO two, like the beer is actually like not mm-hmm. like exploding in your mouth. Taste coriander. I smell it. I smell citra hops. So either I talked myself into it, or it just had to work out like 90% of the CO2 before I could taste the beer. It's always good to challenge your own assumptions. So we'll go with the Tallgrass as the final beer of the night. The 16-bit double. We had their 8-bit earlier. Uh, not on the show, but on a uh, earlier show. This is 16-bit, their double IPA. 6.2% alcohol volume, 55 IBUs, malt to be used our Brewer's Malt, Gold Pills slash Vienna, Munich 10 and Carapils. The hops that are utilized are Horizon, Amarillo, Belma, that's a new one, and Willamette. Adjuncts, <laughs> you won't you you won't guess this. Uh, don't don't spoil it. Let All me right. let me taste and smell. I, you know, this is some of my favorite names for, for IPAs, 8-bit and 16-bit. I love it. I think the names are fantastic. I'll give this Belma hops while you try to figure out what the adjunct is. All right, so the beer is uh, moderately cloudy. It's a straw, straw to gold color. Belma is exclusively grown at Pooterbog Farms. They say it's a very clean hop with a very orange, slightly grapefruit, tropical pineapple, strawberry, and melon aroma. They're twelve eighty five per pound from Hops Direct. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned melon in that because I was about to say there's something kind of papaya y in here. You know, and a papaya flesh is kind of yeah. you know, a bit melony. I think it's a good call. Color is a cloudy orangey yellow. Yeah, sort of a, a, a kind of looks like a wheat beer if you would if you didn't know any better. Yeah, so I'm smelling this, trying to find the secret ingredient. I don't want you to tell me until after I've tasted it. But um, I'm trying to smell. Nothing is really standing out in the aroma as a secret ingredient. Some strawberry in the aroma. I'm getting a little bit of strawberry. I think you should taste it before yeah. coming up with any ideas. No, I'm just, I'm just, no, I'm not even saying that I don't, no, I don't think strawberry is an ingredient. I'm just saying, that, you know, I'm getting a little bit of this, like, sweet, like a really, really ripe strawberry, get a little aroma like that. It smells pretty good. I see where the melon's coming from. A little pithy on the flavor. Um, a little pineapple-y, almost like pineapple juice, like a touch of that. Like if I had to guess, maybe like right now I'm thinking the secret ingredient is some pineapple juice. So I was expect. I'll tell you this much: I was expecting something different because of what they said on the secret ingredient. I'm not really getting it. Okay. Tangerine peel. And the flavor, you know. I should just... say it's an adjunct, not a secret ingredient. Sure. Jeff is using the secret. Yes. 
Is it a grain? It is not a grain. Hmm. Nothing's really standing out. Maybe like a tiny bit of starriness or something like that would be a guess. But other than that, don't know. Like I said, don't taste it. Because if you would, you might be tasting a little bit of rum. Because the adjunct is cane sugar. Okay. Yeah, not really. I guess if I look for it, I can kind of think that I feel it yeah, in there, that, but I... yeah, it's not standing out. Okay. Well, okay, this is news. 16-bit will be discontinued in 2016. Get it while you can. Late breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh-oh? No, no, no. Just the the drink pie was uh, Christmas Day. Mm. So, a little old. The drink the drink pie on the pub ale was... Uh... Oh, not till August. So, August has quite a shelf life. <laughs> they may have just... It, it may be possible that, that they switched over already, and mm-hmm. this isn't really available anymore. Um, I, the beer doesn't taste like it has stale hops or it's hop fade at yeah. all, but I could certainly imagine if we would have had it two months ago that it could be a little bit brighter. But let's say they were discontinuing it on January 1st. They might... Mm-hmm. As a jest, just sort of put sell by oh. December 31st on it, no matter when they produced it. Mm. I don't know. They're not but, required to put No, you're not you're not required to, but if you're putting it out, if you're sending it out to the market, you might as well put the right, you know, your your preferred date on it and not make it super short. Yes, but it's a, it's a small market, right? I mean, this is not something that we were able to get uh, locally. And you would, I think they might assume that they could talk to all the people who would be selling it or enough of the people who would be selling it that they could put this on there. And I'm not saying this, this is necessarily what happened. I'm saying that right. it's possible. Yep. Tallgrass is in Manhattan, Kansas. Because if you buy the other thing, it, it's either was made at 12.01 uh, in the afternoon or it was produced on December 1st. Mm. No, that's the... Time, yeah, it's time it, it was, that time it was canned or something like that, or or maybe this one says eleven twenty, so. But it's colon, not a slash, so I don't think it's a date. That's specific. Then. I mean, the, the thing sprays the bottom of every can and just yeah. happens to have the, or maybe it's some kind of batch number. I don't know. Not important. Who knows? This is... So I think some of our attempts at describing this have been lost in trying to find the cane sugar. So let me try to describe the beer. I, I, I think I... For me, you know, when I was trying to you know pull out what I was tasting, I was kind of doing a live description of, of what I was getting there, so... I don't know if you just want to shut me out of it. No, okay. no, no. <laughs> just saying I did an inadequate job, that's all. All right, I'll defer to you. <laughs> the papaya is in the flavor a little bit there too. Um, tangerine peel, 
the um, other citrus things, kind of like um, curious, clementine. Where the, where the anise idea came from? Was that what just? I was just, just looking for things that I was getting yeah. something that was it was like super light, like yeah. just a little bit of this like herbal, like spicy thing that was, you know, like I was like running through the the spice cabinet, you know, cardamom, coriander, and the closest thing that was a near hit was the star anise, yeah. but but not not a, not a big strong thing. If I would have given you a hint that this might ferment out in a, in a specific way, would that have helped at all? I mean, I don't know. Uh, you might have probably thought it's such, it's such a neutral thing, and it's not beet sugar; it's cane sugar. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna and probably no. But I've had like cane beet beers that cane sugar that did have a rum quality to them. Yeah. So that's why I was expecting like maybe it would be there in the flavor. But it wasn't, so that's why when it tastes, it's like okay, I didn't, <laughs> I expected to be there, but it's not. So mm-hmm. I really didn't feel like you'd find it at all, right? No, and it doesn't taste thin in the body. It's not like you're getting a, one of those like cidery like table sugar type beers or anything like that. But you can't find it now anyway, so yeah. who cares? All right, so it's time to rank. Sounds like a good plan to me. What do you got? Uh, let's see. I'm going to put the um, Tallgrass Pub Ale in last place. You know, when I was drinking it, I, that mineraliness, that kind of turned my whole palate astringent on it. It really didn't work for me. Um, I loved everything. I mean, I really liked all the other beers I had in Tallgrass, but uh, the Pub Ale, just not so much. So I'll put that in last place. I'm gonna put the the Brew Eerie um, Holy Diver in fourth place. Hugely carbonated, hard to find the flavors. I mean, it was pretty decent. Uh, Belgian triple, golden strong type beer. And like I said, the last tiny little sip that I had, I think I tasted some of, or I convinced myself of the stuff that Greg found on tap. The coriander the citrus dry hops things like that or or just hopped with citrus maybe not dry hopped uh third place i'm gonna do the 16-bit double ip i like this beer uh but i'm gonna put the unchained in second place and i liked the i thought they did a really good job bright hopping and maybe the 16-bit had a little bit of age on it so it had faded a bit but they still tasted pretty good nothing like you know Clearly hop faded hops, but the the unchained number or second thread, their session IPA. I really liked how how much body it had. Mm-hmm. You know, they put enough body in that beer and kept the alcohol down to four percent that um and gave it a great platform for doing some pretty pretty aggressive hopping on it. It wasn't aggressive like tear your enamel off your teeth, but it was certainly Enough to keep you engaged throughout the beer. And I really like that. But the live oak hefeweizen. Holy cow. Is that an amazing beer? Uh, is it? I think it is. I think it's an amazing beer. I loved it. And I could drink that all day, every day. Until I got sick of it. But I could drink the hell out of it. And uh, it's a wonderful specimen of hefeweizen. Okay, so my... Uh... My rankings are, um, I disagree with yours, but in some ways they're 
they're oddly similar. Well, not really, but so uh, at the fifth place, I'm gonna put the Brew Eerie because I really didn't feel like we we got what the brewery was intended, and um, it, you know it, it took so much time of, of of working it out to sort of figure it out, and then we weren't even sure then. Mm-hmm. I kind of have to be like, eh, I can't really rank that very high. Um, but I'm still going to rank it. I don't think it was necessarily... There wasn't any off flavors. No, I'm not going to say like it, it was you know, definitely not what the brewer intended, but I, I was unclear. Uh, number four, I'm going to put the Summit because while I think it was a very... It, it was a really um, well done session IPA, uh, this would be the them for me because I didn't necessarily like the the hop concoction Uh I might like the us more, <laughs> or I might like the American maybe. We'll see. We'll probably try it on the show. Um, but I, I felt like it. I felt it, it. It still was a little bit too, um, too Amarillo-ish for me to to totally get behind. Which again, like I said earlier, doesn't necessarily is not something that is always the case for every brewery. So right. Number three, I'm going to put the Pub Ale from Tallgrass. I I liked it a little bit more than Jeff. Uh, I especially think it really would go well with food and stuff like that. I think it, it's a real nice drinker, a nice. Um, it's, it, it to me was the better session than uh, the session IPA. Uh, then I'm going to put the 16 bit. Uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I know we, we spent a lot of time searching for for the rum and we couldn't find it, but I I did like it and I'm kind of sad that it's not available anymore because i did enjoy it but uh, i agree with you live oak was the best beer of the night i'm just not sure if i would agree with you that it's super amazing I, I thought it was really good okay you don't have to agree you can be wrong well, i can be right too <laughs> oh uh craftbeerradio.com slash amazon yes do that all right uh thanks for listening to craft beer radio we really do appreciate it uh well, you know Beer at Craft Beer Radio at Jeff Bear at CBR Greg. Let's uh, let Peter Palmieri play us out. On runway number nine, pick 707 set to go.